With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Take a break from your busy schedule and join Harold Sala for Guidelines, a five-minute commentary on living. You set out with your family for a day's outing, and when you turn off the main highway, the kids are laughing and talking, the radio is blaring, and you're pretty sure you know where you're going because you came over the same road when you were a kid. But after an hour or two, nothing looks right. The terrain has changed. Landmarks are different. By now, instead of laughing, the kids in the back seat are fighting. Your wife is thinking, you should stop and ask for directions. Finally, you admit it. You've missed the right road. So what do you do? Put the car in reverse and back up for a couple of hours? No, there's no going back. But you have to find out which road will take you where you want to go. So is it with your life, friend. There's no going back to square one on the Monopoly board of life. When you've made mistakes and taken wrong turns in the road, you must assess the situation to determine how you get to where you want to go from where you are. Often we're like a teenager who borrowed his father's car without permission. When he dented the fender, he stood there thinking of the consequences which were certain to follow and prayed, Dear God, I pray this thing didn't happen. Whether it is getting back on the right road or coming back into the will of your Heavenly Father when you have wandered the path of the prodigal, you have to do the same things. Three guidelines will help you get back on the right road. Guideline one, admit your mistake. It was your wife's fault that you missed the right road. No. After all, she was listening to the radio and the kids were making noise. Or was it your fault? Saying what the prodigal said, I have sinned, or I'm wrong, is never easy. Seldom do we want to acknowledge our own failure. She took of the fruit and I ate it, Adam complained. With God, we must confess our failure, our sin, and then forsake it. I believe in being specific in calling things what they are, which means a lie is not misinformation. It's a lie, and an act of fidelity is not a poor choice, but adultery. 
Whoever confesses and forsakes his sin shall prosper, says God's word. Guideline two, ask for help. When I'm lost, I'm quick to ask someone who knows where I'm supposed to go. Oh, but people will make fun of me. Nonsense. The book of James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. That phrase, which is translated, without finding fault, means he won't make fun of you or chide you for your failure. Good news for troubled people today. Guideline three, start over. But this time, practice a measure of humility, and perhaps with a heads up, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice attitude. You can learn from your failure, but there is a point I must make. You can't really start over, going back to the first space on the game board of life, but you can start again and again if necessary. In a very real sense, God's will begins afresh every day as you confess your need of direction and guidance and then look to your Heavenly Father for grace and strength. You need to profit from the wrong turns of life and make straight tracks for your feet, as the writer of Hebrews suggested. With God's help, you can head towards home, and when you move that direction, you know you'll have his help. Friend, take a moment and make a mental note of the passage that I quoted today from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. He gives wisdom generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. How many times have I prayed, God, I need your wisdom. I don't have it myself. And he provides just that. I'm Harold Saylor. You've just heard guidelines. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Winnie.
Dane Hopper and the New York in the New Jersey Mass Choir and all the blood. Good morning to you on this Sunday morning gospel program. Morning inspirations.
Good morning. <clears throat> Pardon me. This is your early Sunday early morning gospel program. Morning Spaces here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. Time now for our morning prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning saying thank you. Thank you for waking us up early this morning, stopping us on our way. But you see, we didn't have to do it. You didn't you didn't have to do it. But we did. But you did. We thank you, Lord. For we lift up those listening to us live and by way of podcasts. We lift up those, Lord, who are under hospice care, who are in hospitals everywhere, those who have prison walls, those, Lord, who lift up uh, our men and women in blue. We lift up those, Lord, those who serve our armed forces. And, Lord, we lift up our school children, our school and our teachers, and school officials. Ministers, those pastors who are going to bring the word this morning. Give the clarity, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all your many blessings. Thank you for keeping us, sustaining us throughout the night. We need to hurt how we're dangerous. Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us safe from day to day. We thank you for thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done. Thank you, Lord. Give us any sense of return, Lord. No only in our mind. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll be back at the top of the hour for more gospel Christian music. Just to remind you that we'll be on tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time for Mission Time.
out of Mark chapter 10. And uh, it's about a, a man that comes to Jesus. And as Jesus was setting out on a journey, this man runs up on him and kneels before him. And he asks Jesus, he refers to him as this, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, why do you call me good? And no one is good except God. And God alone. He says, you know the commandments. He says, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. And then the guy says to him, well, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth, which means I'm, I, I, I think I'm a pretty good guy. I've followed all these commandments. And Jesus looks at him, the scripture says, and he loved him, and he said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And disheartened by the saying, This young man, he goes away sorrowful, for he had great possessions, which really means he was super rich. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at the words of Jesus. And Jesus says to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly, the disciples, astonished. And they said to Jesus, then who can be saved? And then Jesus looks at them and says, with man, it is impossible. But with God, for all things are possible with God. My message to you tonight is, it's possible with God. It's possible with God. I mean, the young man appears to have a sense of urgency and desperation to get to God because Scripture tells us he came running. And not only did he run to God, but he drops and falls on his knees before God. And it's like, I want to know. I want to know how can I have eternal life. And so... Probably much of what you see with him running to God and kneeling down is simply just out of just emotion and excitement to just have more, but not realizing truly that eternal life is actually everything to do about Jesus Christ and the relationship he desires to have with you. He probably thought eternal life was just getting to some big mansion somewhere and adding more gold to the gold that he already had. We often talk about heaven and imagine heaven, and, of course, we refer to the streets of gold and the house that we're going to have one day and the beauty of heaven. And My dad was the best of giving us this wild, amazing description of what was going to be in heaven. I mean, nobody could describe heaven like my dad. I mean, he was like, when you touch your doorknob, it's going to be gold and diamonds all around the doorknob. And when you open the door, it's going to be an array of gold bursting through. I mean, I used to be like, and I used to always ask this question to my dad. Hey, dad, what's breakfast going to be like in heaven? And and my dad and I, we we grew up, both of us, we love pancakes. And he said, he said, there's going to be stacks and stacks. 
stacks of pancakes. And I just get super excited, you know. And it was just his way of just getting me excited about heaven. But the greatest excitement about heaven is being with Jesus forever. That's heaven. But the rich young man didn't know that he was talking to God himself. And so that's why he just refers to God as, uh, hey, good teacher. He just, he just thought that maybe this is a good teacher and he has always all the answers and he does great miracles. But he didn't fully understand who he was speaking to. And that's why Jesus responded and said, well, who is good? Huh? No one but God. And that was his way of just saying, huh, you're talking to him. But you don't know that yet. But who is God? And then he gives him a few of the commandments and, because he knew exactly where this young man's heart was and the effort to prove himself to be a good person, but yet he truly wasn't surrendered completely. Salvation requires that you and I be fully surrendered to God. And so, as Jesus shares with him these few commandments, he says, ah, ah, since I was a little kid, I am. Now as a grown man and rich and wealthy, I've been pretty good with those. Thank you very much. Man, this is looking good. I'm definitely going to be up in my new mansion. And Jesus says, actually, no. You lack one thing. You're not fully surrendered. You're not really ready to be all in. All of your money and all of your possessions, that which you idolize, that which you keep for yourself, the other things you've been fine with, but is there that one thing that you hold for yourself? And for this young man, it was his possessions, his wealth, and those things were an idol in his life. And Jesus says to him, give up all of that, give it to the poor, and you come follow me. Because if you really want eternal life, then you really want to be with me. And if you really want to live life fully, it is with me. And if you really want to know what it is to have an abundance and to have all your needs met, it's with me, as we sang earlier. This is why we sing, all I need is you. Because it all begins and ends with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And he says, if you really want life, it is me, Jesus. Follow me. And the young man, Scripture tells us, turns away and is disheartened by God's words. God's words that says, if you follow me. He, he's only responding to the question that the young man asked. How do I get eternal life? How, how do I experience this eternal joy? How do I experience this life that has no end? Well, it's a life completely surrendered to Jesus, fully surrendered, all surrendered to Jesus. There should be and never be anything that you hold on for yourself in the effort to follow Jesus Christ. You can't. That's not salvation. Salvation is your life given fully to God, surrendered. Why? Because Jesus laid down his life completely for you. He went to the cross and died, fully surrendered, laid down his life, died on a cross, this, this old rugged cross, this two pieces of wood that were nailed together, and they nailed his hands and his feet onto this cross.
cross and he died. He took our place. He canceled our sin debt. He is God. He goes to the cross. And I'm telling you right now, that life surrendered in obedience to his father was so that you and I could be reconciled back to God so that we could have eternal life and be with Jesus forever. But in order to do that, it's got to be fully surrendered. It's amazing how sometimes you will come to church or we'll live stream or we'll watch online and we enjoy the service and we enjoy coming to Times Square Church and in, in some measure we look like this young person where we come into God's house and we, 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 we praise and we shout and we clap, but there are still things in your life that you hold for yourself. It's like a part of you wants God, but then there's another part of you that says, I'll keep this for myself. And are there certain things in your life that are just simply idols in your life, things that do not represent God and his goodness and his kindness, things that are wrong, things that are are dark, things that are evil, things that are of practice in your life that are not right. Those things are sin which separates us from a holy God. Jesus was not trying to make the young man poor. Jesus gives us this wonderful lesson of our lives needing to be fully surrendered to him. And we should never cherish anything above Jesus Christ. The disciples are astounded by this, right? Totally taken back. Jesus is very passionate about his disciples and those around understanding, man, I know, this money and this wealth can so much get in the way of you being fully surrendered to me, so much that it's harder for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to heaven. But I believe it wasn't just about money that he was talking about. He was referring to those things that we hold dear to ourselves in our human nature. Those things that we hold dear to ourselves in our own pride that get in the way of you having a complete, full relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what those things are. You have to be fully surrendered. And so when Jesus says this, this gives the disciples this analogy about a camel trying to get to the eye of a needle and that being in comparison to a rich man trying to get to heaven, then they all respond together. Well, how in the world do we get saved? Oh, my goodness. And Jesus says, well, with man, it's impossible. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't get to God in your own strength. You can't figure it out how to make things right in your own strength. With man, your favorite person in life, your best friend is not going to always have the answers for you in, in terms of how to figure out how to keep going in life. Your husband is not your best answer. Your wife is not your best answer. Your professor at college does not have all the answers, and he's not going to give you eternal life. Your favorite TV show that soothes your emotions takes you on a wild ride. You cry, you laugh, you get scared. There's not enough time in the world that you could spend watching television shows that will erase and undo the mess that's going on in here. 
with man and all of man's genius efforts to capture our attention, it is impossible to be saved. It is impossible to be set free. It is impossible to be made whole. It is impossible for you to find satisfaction, eternal satisfaction and life, that eternal life, that life with no end, that eternal joy. But with God, all things are possible with God. It's possible with God. Healing from your past, it's possible with God. The wounds, those things that you've endured, suffering, pain, those things that you feel like will never go away, it's possible with God. Forgiveness, it's possible with God. Being free from addiction, it's possible with God. Being free from the addiction to pornography, it's possible with God. Being free from the addiction to smoking weed, it's possible with God. Being able to get out of the relationship that you're in, you're dating somebody who you shouldn't be dating, and they continue to verbally abuse you, you can get out of that only with God. It's possible with God. Suffering and pain, disappointment, feeling like you are the scum of the earth, feeling like you are a disgrace and you are just living your life unable to achieve anything, that can only change through God and in God. It is possible with God to be a new person born again, born again to be a new person where all things that are of the past are finally done and passed away, but now you can be a new person tonight, it's possible with God. The power of God has been given to us if you would receive and believe in faith now in Jesus Christ. It's possible with God to get up out of your seat tonight and to walk out these doors and know that you can live your life in victory and in freedom. It's possible with God. The opportunity to get up out of your seat tonight and trust that you can find a new job and trust that you can finish your, your, your studies and graduate from college one day, it's possible with God. If there's any teenagers in here that feel like, I don't want to go to high school anymore, I don't want to study anymore, and I'm tired of getting bullied, you can get through high school, get your diploma, and move on. It's possible with God. Your marriage, you and your spouse continue to fight and to fuss, and it's getting out of control, and there's not a single day where you have peace in your home, but it is possible with God. Addiction to alcohol. I can't seem to just get away. I just constantly keep going back to the bar. I keep going back to the club. Every day I just have to have a drink. There's no way I can stop doing this. Yes, it's possible with God. Will you stand up with me? Some of you, I think many of you here, you have certain things that are going on in your life and you've already decided that this particular area of my life 
won't change. But it's possible with God. Now, you think about those things right now. Because if you believe in faith that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for you and rose again on the third day, if you believe that in faith, then the very power that raised Jesus Christ up from the grave on the third day is the very power that will belong to you right now. It is the power to make all things possible in your life. That's why I tell you tonight, and I go on and on, it's possible with God. Because, listen to me, the power that raised Jesus Christ up from the grave on the third day is the same power that you can have tonight. I want everybody tonight to receive this power, the power of God, to make all things possible. If that's you, we've got some time. Get right with God. Receive his power. Believe tonight in faith. I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want you to doubt anymore. I'm not going to raise my voice anymore. I just want you to receive this power, to know that it's possible with God. The power for you to walk out these doors and know that I'm saved and set free, and God's going to do a miracle in my life. Right now, you come to the front. You step out and you come to the front right now. I want to pray with you. From the balcony to the main floor, come out. What is it that you've been saying, no, it's not possible, it's just not possible, it's just not going to work out? What, what is that thing you've been saying, it's not possible? Whatever that thing is that you've been saying, it's not possible, it's not possible. No, make it possible with God right now. Make it possible with God right now. Let him be God, let him be your Savior right now. In the name of Jesus, let him be your God. Let him be your Savior now. It's possible with God. You come forward. You lay it down up front here. And you say, that thing that you've been saying, it's not possible, you're going to lay that thing down right now. And you're going to receive God as Savior, as healer, as your miracle worker. It's possible with God. You're tired of being addicted to that thing? It's possible with God to break it right now. Come forward. Sometimes you feel like it's impossible to get out of bed because depression is just beating you up over and over and over again. It's possible with God for depression to end tonight. He's going to save you from depression tonight. He's going to save you from alcohol addiction. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Men, I said this earlier in the 1 o'clock service. I actually prayed over the men in our church. 
Don't let pride get in the way of being fully surrendered to Christ Jesus. Don't let your pride get in the way tonight. Don't let pride get in the way. A lot of men I know, I've been there before. I'm good. I'm all right. I got this. I'm good. I'll figure it out. I'll make sense of it. I'll make sense of it. I'm I'm good. No. There's no one there's no one good. That's what Jesus said. His word is only God is good. And you get to come to a good God who wants to set you free from your addiction. trying to figure it out on your own when you have this amazing God that wants to love you Uh, the young man went away disheartened outside of Christ Jesus that's the only way you'll walk out of these doors I'm going to be very honest with you if you don't receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and as healer and as your deliverer you'll be just like the young man and you'll walk out disheartened walking out disheartened tonight, right? You're walking out free. Would you pray this prayer with me? I give you all of me. Everything I surrender to you. I look to you, Jesus. Thank you for dying, taking my place. I believe you went to the cross and you canceled my sin debt and you rose again on the third day. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. I am a new person in you, Christ Jesus. I hold nothing back. I surrender it all to you. You are my God, and I am yours. Forgive me of my sins and trying to do it my way. Now I'm going your way. I believe you are the way the truth, and the life. In your name I pray. Amen. Hi, this is Donnie McClickin, and I've got a personal note that I'd really like to drop in your spirit today. I want you to understand the blessings of God and how they're supposed to enhance our lives. Blessings are not always financial. But the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, The blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable, us being seen as someone 
who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family whole, as having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. The blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away. I'm in almost every school bus and class. I go to school with your children. We say the Pedro Rodriguez together. You see me around the neighborhood and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher told me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ash Council. Wonderful, God, so wonderful. He's wonderful. Wow. He's so wonderful. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my guide. Whatever I need, the Lord will provide and pray. I won't say I know He's so
Hey, churchgoers, looking for a little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Oh, people. 
Janine Marks, the 12-year-old, was fairly normal. She spent a lot of time online. One day, she met a new friend. The new friend had the same problems at home. They liked the same bands. They worried about the same subjects in school. They promised to keep each other's secrets. They wished they went to the same junior high. The new friend had good news. He said he was going to be in Janine's area one Saturday. He thought it would be amazing if they could just hang out, go to the mall. Janine agreed. The new friend didn't want parents messing this up. Janine showed up alone. So did her new friend, who wasn't in junior high, wasn't nice, and wasn't a 14-year-old boy. Every day, children are sexually solicited online. Help delete online predators. Call 1-800-THE-LOST or visit cybertipline.com to learn how to protect your kids' online life. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council. How can a person be protected from scams? With a word of caution for today's ministry leader, here's attorney David Gibbs, Jr. of the Christian Law Association. A pastor called the Christian Law Association wondering if a church representative should attend a seminar to learn about compliance with the new health care regulations. There are many so-called experts who will attempt to sell information or a system promising to bring churches into compliance with regulations. Unfortunately, the experts nor their products always deliver what they've promised. If a speaker at a seminar claims to be a licensed CPA or an attorney in a particular state, you can easily check his credentials with the state or the national associations he belongs to in order to protect against any possible scam. All Christian Law Association attorneys are fully licensed professionals. We never charge a fee. We are a ministry defending religious freedom. Get your legal questions answered online at christianlaw.org. You'll find a complete library of information addressing common issues churches and ministries are facing today. Our website again, christianlaw.org. That's christianlaw.org. Hey, churchgoers, looking for a little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
to Big Bubba's. We got a mess of used cars. What can we do for you? Uh, we're looking for, um... Something cute. Well, here's a beauty. A 99 model with a moonroof. As a bonus, we'll throw in a leaking gas tank. You could be driving and kaboom! Adds that zing of excitement. You got any other cars? Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. There's a simple blood test called A1C that can help measure your risk of complications from diabetes. Why is it important? Because more than 600 people every day die from diabetes and its complications. If your A1C is above 7, your doctor can show you how to lower it. If you have diabetes, know your risk. Know your A1C. Ask your doctor. Or for more information, go to www.diabetesa1c.org or call 1-877-TEST-A1C. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Is the Bible wrong when it talks about the wisdom of the ants in gathering and storing food for the winter? This is the Creation Moments Minute. Bible skeptics claim that Proverbs 6, verse 8, is nothing but a myth because no such ants have ever been found. In the last few years, however, their laughter has stopped. We now know of three different species of ants that gather and store food. And guess what? Two of these species are native to Bible lands. Evolutionists tell us that they are sure the first real human beings weren't even smart enough to gather and store grain and seeds. It's obvious that ants who gather and store grain and seeds are totally unexpected by evolution. But we know that we have a creator who provides for all the needs of all his creatures, even ants. For CreationMomentsMinute.com, I'm Darren Marlar. gender a social construct. This is Ken Ham, heading up the ministry that's building a full-size Noah's Ark. Many sectors claim that the distinctions between men and women have simply been created by society. So if a man feels like a woman, well, he should be allowed to act and dress like a woman and vice versa. Now, one outcome of this type of thinking is the distortion of biblical marriage. If the differences between men and women are made by society, then why shouldn't two men or two women get married? But what does the Bible say? Genesis teaches that God created human beings as distinctly male or female. Both are equally created in his image. But scripture teaches a sharp contrast between the two and a distinction of role. So-called gay marriage? Well, it's wrong. God created male and female. Discover more about the biblical view of marriage when you visit our faith-defending website, AnswersInGenesis.org. AnswersInGenesis.org. We decided to follow Jesus. I decided to follow Jesus. I decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on the cross and paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. friends in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. You too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? For how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation?
put the car in reverse and back up for a couple of hours? No, there is no going back. But you have to find out which road will take you where you want to go. So is it with your life, friend. There is no going back to square one on the monopoly board of life. When you've made mistakes and taken wrong turns in the road, you must assess the situation to determine how you get to where you want to go from where you are. Often we're like a teenager who borrowed his father's car without permission. When he dented a fender, he stood there thinking of the consequences which were certain to follow and prayed, Dear God, I pray this thing didn't happen. Whether it is getting back on the right road or coming back into the will of your Heavenly Father when you have wandered the path of the prodigal, you have to do the same things. Three guidelines will help you get back on the right road. Guideline one, admit your mistake. It was your wife's fault that you missed the right road. No. After all, she was listening to the radio and the kids were making noise. Or was it your fault? Saying what the prodigal said, I have sinned, or I'm wrong, is never easy. Seldom do we want to acknowledge our own failure. She took of the fruit and I ate it, Adam complained. With God, we must confess our failure, our sin, and then forsake it. I believe in being specific and calling things what they are, which means a lie is not misinformation. It's a lie, and an act of fidelity is not a poor choice, but adultery. Whoever confesses and forsakes his sin shall prosper, says God's word. Guideline two, ask for help. When I'm lost, I'm quick to ask someone who knows where I'm supposed to go. Oh, but people will make fun of me. Nonsense. The book of James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. That phrase, which is translated without finding fault, means he won't make fun of you or chide you for your failure. Good news for troubled people today. Guideline three, start over. But this time, practice a measure of humility, and perhaps with a heads up, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice attitude. You can learn from your failure. But there is a point I must make. You can't really start over, going back to the first space on the game board of life. But you can start again and again if necessary. In a very real sense, God's will begins afresh every day as you confess your need of direction and guidance and then look to your Heavenly Father for grace and strength. You need to profit from the wrong turns of life and make straight tracks for your feet as the writer of Hebrews suggested. With God's help, you can head towards home. And when you move that direction, you know you'll have his help. Friend, take a moment and make a mental note of the passage that I quoted today from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. He gives wisdom generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. How many times have I prayed, God, I need your wisdom. I don't have it myself. And he provides just that. I'm Harold Saylor. You've just heard 
guidelines. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Oh, 
is a woman who is at her wit's end. Who can say you won't be back when they don't even know where you've been? There's a strength in your bones, way down in the fibers of your soul. Stretch your hands toward heaven and your voices will unfold. Good morning to my sister, strong Nubian princess. This is your wake-up call. Come out of your trenches to the European woman and the lady from the Orient. I've got a message for you, girl. This is the master, the master's message that is sent.
you <clears throat> out of Mark chapter 10. And uh, it's about a, a man that comes to Jesus. And as Jesus was setting out on a journey, this man runs up on him and kneels before him. And he asks Jesus, he refers to him as this, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, Well, why do you call me good? And no one is good except God. And God alone. He says, You know the commandments. He says, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. And then the guy says to him, Well, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth, which means I'm, I, I, I think I'm a pretty good guy. I've followed all these commandments. And Jesus looks at him, and Scripture says, and he loved him, and he said to him,
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.